Good evening and welcome to This Week in Football from the makers of Low Limit Football. I'm your host, Joe Ucello, and tonight I am joined as always by my co-host, Mr. Roberto Rojas, and special guest Ben Hayward from the London Evening Standard to discuss the return of La Liga post-coronavirus. Gentlemen, I want to thank you both for joining me tonight. I want to start out by giving the listeners a recap of the table as we have 11 matches left to play in La Liga before their return on June 11th. Currently, Barcelona sit in first place on 58 points, Real Madrid in second on 56, Sevilla on 47, uh, Real Sociedad on 46 points along with Getafe, Atletico Madrid on 45 points in sixth place, and the last European spot held by Valencia on 42 points. Then in eighth place, we have Villarreal at 38, tied with Granada. Athletic Bilbao at 37 points, rounding out the top 10. Then we go down to the second half of the table with Osasuna at 34 points, Betis at 33, Levante at 33, Alaves at 32 points, Valladolid at 29 points, Ibar at 27 Celta Vigo at 26 points, and then the three relegation spots currently occupied by Mallorca on 25 points, Leganes on 23 points, and Espanyol currently on 20 points. Top goal scorer in the league right now, of course, Lionel Messi, 19 goals, 12 assists, followed by Karim Benzema at 14 goals, Luis Suarez on 11 goals, with Perez at Alaves at 11, Moreno at Villarreal, and Roger at, uh, at Levante as well, 11 goals uh, apiece. Gentlemen, I want to open up with the the talk of of basically La Liga's top of the table because it's obviously occupied by Real Madrid and Barcelona separated by two points. We saw the close of of the season at the moment or the the immediate halt just post El Clasico, which Real Madrid won 2-0. And at the time, there was a lot of speculation about Barca's ability to hold on to that top spot, especially losing Luis Suarez for what was considered to be the rest of the season with an injury. However... Be given the coronavirus and the layoff, it's allowed Luis Suarez to recover, and he will be ready by all reports for the return against Mallorca to open up this uh, this end of the season. So, with a massive get on Luis Suarez, currently sitting at 11 goals, second in scoring on the team. What, ben, I want to start with you and ask you: What are your perspectives of the title race, especially given a player of of Suarez's caliber being able to come in and help Barca right away? Well, Joe, I think it's great news, obviously, for Barcelona that Luis Suarez is back. And, of course, he's looking in great shape. I don't know if you've seen any of the images since he returned of him in training. He is looking uh, slim and sleek and, you know, ready to go. And I guess he's got something of a point to prove as well, because there's all these links at Barcelona with Lautaro Martinez coming in in the summer. They've already brought in Martin uh, Brathwaite as well in February. So Suarez perhaps has something of a point to prove. And, uh, you know, he'll be raring to go. He hasn't played under, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, under Kike Setien yet. Uh, and so, um, yeah, huge um, boost for Barcelona to, to have him back, definitely. Now, Ben, looking into the schedule that Barcelona has, you know, currently top of the table, only separated by just two points. You look at some of the fixtures that they have, you know, you'd mentioned the Mallorca game that they come into on uh, June 13th, but looking into some of the other games that they have, they still have to play Sevilla, they still have to play Atletico Madrid, you know, it really is still a tight deal, also have the Catalan Derby, um, you know, it's still a very, very tight schedule, and we know what we've seen, at least of the season, of how unpredictable the season can become, be it if Barcelona would to stumble, or when we'll get to them in a minute, for Real Madrid, but I think for when you look at how the schedules are essentially compared um i think barcelona still have a long schedule and, and probably a probably a more grueling one if you compare that to real madrid don't you think 
Yeah, I think so, Roberto. First of all, I would like to say I think it's um, very difficult to predict. If it was difficult to predict before, then uh, you know it's extremely hard to predict now. You know, eleven games left for each in the space of uh, thirty-nine days. It's like a kind of La Liga World Cup, you know, all packed into a short space of time. We've got no fans in the stadiums. Uh, we've got, uh, you know, uh, extreme conditions. It, you know, it's going to be really, really hot in some of these fixtures. And so it might come down to, uh, you know, who's got the best squad, um, you know, who can manage all of the, the, the conditions better over the next kind of couple of months. Real Madrid threw away a big chance to, to kind of go top and, and open up a gap. Because even though they beat Barcelona in the Clásico on the 1st of March, they only picked up, I think, four points from... They've only picked up four points from the, the last four matches. So they, they beat Barcelona to win three of those. Uh, but in the other three, they only won one point out of a possible nine. And so losing to Betis uh, before the, the, the break happened, you know, due to coronavirus, uh, meant that they went fell back behind... Um, but now, yeah, looking at the respective fixtures, you might say that, that Real Madrid have the slight edge. They have a bigger squad as well, and, and that could prove crucial. Obviously, um, we talked about Luis Suarez coming back for, for Barcelona, which is obviously great news for them. Uh, Usman Dembele is not going to be back because he, they had to, um, to unregister him uh, in order to sign to bring in Martin Brathwaite. Uh, but Suarez coming back is a big boost. But also for Real Madrid, there, there's um, you know players coming back as well. They've got uh, Marco Asensio back after a, a long-term injury. He's been out for all of the season. But this kind of uh, hiatus due to COVID-19 means uh, he, he's had the chance to get fit again. And Eden Hazard, of course, who we thought wasn't going to play again this season when he limped out in only his second game back. Uh, you know, uh, his aim was to be back for, for the Euros, which, of course, now is not happening. But with the season uh, to get underway again in, in mid-June, he'll be back. So um, Real Madrid have probably the slightly easier fixtures. They have um, the bigger squad. And Barcelona start off, um, albeit against two weaker teams, but with two matches in the first 72 hours. So I think that's a tough test as well for the Catalans. Now, looking into Real Madrid, you know, some of the few matches that they have to play, they have to take on Valencia, they got to take on Real Sociedad. You know, they, they you would think as well that it, it is a more lighter schedule. But I think another fact that we have to mention, and thank you, Joe, for bringing this up, is that they won't be playing at the Santiago Bernabeu. Because of ongoing renovations, they'll be playing at the home of Real Madrid Castilla at the Alfredo Di Stefano Stadium. So, because of that, Ben, do you feel that that might be a bit of a disadvantage for Real Madrid? You know, it's a different atmosphere as we've seen, you know, with teams hopefully going to play in their home stadiums, um, even for teams coming in there. You know, does that give maybe an advantage or a disadvantage for Real Madrid uh, for the rest of the season? Again, um, I don't know. I think it's one that we'll have to see because um, it's, we're, we're moving into the unknown. What I will say is that Real Madrid actually at the Santiago Bernabeu have had a bit of a problem in recent years. And sometimes it's affected them when they haven't been playing well at home. The crowd can get on their back a little bit. There's a, there's a bit of nervous tension at the Bernabeu. Obviously, there won't be any fans there at all this time. And there won't even be at the Bernabeu. So we'll have to see. Obviously, it's very, very familiar surroundings for Real Madrid because... Um, this is a, a stadium which is you're based inside their training ground. It's right next to where they train every single day. And they're going to be training now at least once a week um, 
in the stadium to, to get themselves uh, accustomed. It's, you know, it, it's a Real Madrid stadium. It's not the Bernabeu. It's not quite so familiar. But with no fans, um, you know, present at the game, I'm not sure it's going to gonna make uh, a big difference. I would say that um, the, the fact that there are no fans at the games probably gives the big teams an advantage, you know, as we've seen in Germany as well. And, uh, you know, in the Bundesliga, we've seen very few um, home wins because, uh, you know, teams are struggling to, to be able to adapt without having the, the support of their fans. So uh, it, it's going to be difficult to, to see, um, you know, how they uh, how they adapt. I think Tony Kroos said it the other day, you know, the, the team that adapts the best is the one who's going to win La Liga, basically. Mm-hmm. And you look at Barcelona playing in a, in a massive Camp Nou, which has got um, room for 98,000 fans. Is that going to be easier than, than Real Madrid playing in a, in a 6,000-seater? It might be a little bit cosier uh, yeah. for Real playing uh, uh, in that stadium and at their training ground as well, home from home. Who knows? Yeah, and it definitely uh, makes it much more easier for them to not, you know, travel all the way to the Bernabeu instead of just like staying within their um, their training grounds, where obviously the stadium that they play is right next to it. So it kind of works uh, to their favor. Sure, family. I mean, so it's so very close. You know, you're yep. not talking about big distances. But I think, yeah, Real Madrid have, have um, six home games left, and yeah, they're probably they're looking at the respective schedules. Uh, you, you would maybe make them slight favorites, but then of course Barcelona have the two point advantage, and you know they have Messi as well. So uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting for sure. Now looking into, I guess, the other big race that's going on, and that's the race for you know the Champions League spots and to qualify for Europe. You know we have teams like Sevilla in there, Real Sociedad, Getafe, Atlético Madrid, who you know are facing this danger that they might not qualify for any uh, spot in Europe, let alone the Champions League. Um, Valencia are also in there. I think they're three points behind Atletico for sixth place. So we're really into an interesting uh, race, not just what we see at the top of the table, but also to qualify for the Champions League and all the other European competitions. I mean, since we're going to be focusing, I guess, Atletico, because they're the main team out of it, out of it all. I mean, you know, is there that big danger because of what we've seen from the likes of Sevilla, from Real Sociedad, from Getafe, even from Valencia, that Atletico Madrid could indeed miss out on a uh, on a European uh, competition spot at the end of the season? Yeah, absolutely. That there is that danger, uh, no doubt. And you know, one of the when people were talking about sh- should the season be called off, should it be called null and void, you know, a lot there was a lot of talk about the title race, and you know. I, compare it to the Premier League and Liverpool had such a huge lead that ultimately um, you could probably say Liverpool are champions and and nobody would object to that because nobody's going to catch them. But, you know, with the title race as it is so close in La Liga, um, it wouldn't have been fair to do that here. And, uh, you know, one of the other things is, is the race for the Champions League. It's so tight with, you know, Sevilla 47 points, Real Sociedad 46, Getafe 46, Atletico 45. And, you know, as things stand, Atletico miss out. But you wouldn't bet against them, would you, to um, to, to not finish in the top four? I, I would still back Atletico just because of their pedigree, um, their, their consistency. And um, they've had a bit of an up and down season, but um, I, I, I feel that they will end up in the top four. But, you know, uh, Sevilla... 
Real Sociedad, Getafe, all revelations really in in this league. So um, there's a, a real fight on, and, and Valencia, as you mentioned as well, can't be ruled out. So that's uh, along with the title race, we've got a really interesting battle this season in La Liga, and it's it's good to see because it hasn't always been the case in recent years. Now, Ben, sticking with uh, Atleti and, and discussing how they get back into those Champions League spots, one of their one of their bright stars, at least at the beginning of the season, was Joao Felix. And he's come down with an injury just before we returned for the season. What's the latest on his injury? And do they expect him back in time to help Atleti push for those Champions League spots? Yeah, he's picked up an injury. It's not a serious one, as I understand. He should be back, um, if not for the first game, then then, then soon afterwards. And, um, you know, that's, I would say, very important to their hopes. Um, having him back, uh, having Diego Costa uh, fit again as well. He, he, Costa only just came back in time for the, the win against Liverpool at Anfield, which was um, just before, um, what was it? it was the last game, wasn't it, before all of this everything stopped and, and La Liga was postponed. And so I think those two will be will be key, definitely. And I expect Joel Felix to be back, if not for the first game, then then probably for the second one. Well, you know, you bring up a great point about Diego Costa because up until this point, Alvaro Morata has been their leading goal scorer with eight goals. The next player that's helped is is been Joel Felix with four goals. So they're really... Um, Atleti's really lacking goals, and you and you look at them over 27 matches. I think they've only scored, I, I want to say, 31 goals in 27 matches. So they're really missing that goal scoring that they would need to to really make that push forward. Uh, do you see anybody else on Atleti contributing besides uh, you know or the return of Joao Felix, the return of Diego Costa, and Alvaro Morata, which has been you know sporadic at best? I mean, I think those are the guys. I think you look at the. Their squad, obviously, they have great midfield players, players as well, but they're not necessarily big goal scorers. Uh, Saul maybe is is one player who can chip in with a few goals, uh, important goals as well, when necessary. So he's perhaps one guy who could step up and, and help them. Um, obviously, there's uh, Thomas Lamar as well, who's been had a, a disappointing career so far at Atletico. But, you know, this... A chance now and for, for players to come in in this kind of um, mini tournament that we have in the end of this season to have um, you know turn it on for a few weeks and and to be a hero but you would think that the goals the majority of the goals would come from Felix from Morata uh, if Costa can chip in with a few I think he only has two this season uh, even though he's been out uh, for a lot of games you know with injuries it's not Good enough. So um, they'll expect more. One thing I would worry about maybe with Atletico is, you know, they rely so much upon their fans to push them on in their home games. Mm. And of course, they're not going to have that now for the rest of the season. So it's, again, uh, a case of how they react to uh, playing in empty stadiums. It's going to be very, very strange for a lot of teams. And, and last question, I think you lead me into a great last question for the interview, is you look at the way this league is going to reopen with the June 11th Seville Derby between Sevilla and Betis. Um, obviously, it's usually a heated rivalry. What can we expect from that match, especially given Sevilla currently sitting third with many teams pressing them for those Champions League spots? Is it, I would say, you know, and I was in um, Seville for the, the, the game between Betis and Real Madrid. Uh, the weekend before this all, uh, you know, the, the, the coronavirus intervened and, and everything was suspended. And even then, 
you know, everybody was talking about the Derby. Next week it's the Derby. And of course it wasn't next week or even next month. It's, mm. it's turned out to be like, um, you know, three months later. Um, a bit unfortunate for Betis because they were just, um, you felt like they turned a corner. They had some really disappointing results. Uh, Coach Ruby was under pressure. And then, of course, they, they had that great result where they beat Real Madrid and they played well. They deserved it. And you thought, well, that's that's the perfect, uh, you know, lead in to the derby. And with Sevilla flying high as well, it was all kind of set up uh, for a great game. So um, a, a bit of the momentum has been lost for both teams, obviously. And uh, the, the, what is a, a great occasion is going to, you know, lose some of its shine because, you know, a big derby like that without the fans is, is not going to be the same. Awesome. I imagine. Uh, I imagine that uh, because it's Seville is maybe less affected than than the bigger cities in in Spain, you know, Barcelona, Madrid, that a lot of the fans will congregate outside the stadium. Uh, I do think we'll have some activity uh, around the ground, uh, but it's yeah, it's going to be a, a great occasion anyway. No doubt about it. Gentlemen, I do want to thank you both for joining me tonight and helping break down the return of La Liga. Again, first match up is the Seville Derby between Sevilla and Betis on June 11th as La Liga makes their triumphant return back to live football. So for Ben Hayward and for Roberto Rojas, I'm Joe Ucello. Thanks for listening, everyone, and good night.